A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to a Spark Special. We're collaborating with Galdem to bring you stories from women and non-binary people of colour. This story was told by Maya at the book club in Shoreditch, London, when the theme was nostalgia. So my story starts, I was born in Birmingham in an area called Hansworth. I don't know if anyone knows it, but it's a very black and Asian area. So kind of starting out school, I only really knew of having lots of other young black and Asian children with me. But there were two white girls and they were twins. And their birthday came around and they organised a birthday party. And I'd said, actually, let's like, we're not going to their birthday party because they're white. And this story made its way home to my white mum, who told me that I was definitely going to their party. And not only was I going to their party, but I was making everyone else go to their party. And so that's what I did, and that was the end of racism for me. Um, shortly after that, unfortunately, I left my little kind of haven of black and Asian children, and my mum and I and my brother, who is relevantly later, is autistic, moved to Brighton. I don't know if anyone knows yeah. Bevan Dean and Brighton in 1996. But I uh, moved to a very, very, very white council estate where there were about three non-white people in the whole school, including me. So I kind of rock up with my little Brummie accent and I'm essentially now an alien and I find out all about real racism and kind of, yeah, have all the questions about, like, that's not your mum. And, like, I'd kind of go home and be like, they're calling me monkey and they're calling me a diseased dog and they're calling me blackie all the time. And so my mum, like, goes into school and the head teacher's just like, no, we don't have racism in the school. And I was darker when I was younger, so, like, I would know. So then my mum's like, okay, like, what are we going to do? So she starts kind of giving me techniques. So she's like... You need to tell them all, like, your mum goes on a sunbed to be my colour. So, like, go back in school and, like, try in this technique. And they're like, no, she doesn't, actually. No one wants to look like you. Then she's like, OK, well, like, you just need to take your shoe off and tell them, like, this is what black looks like. I'm brown. So, and then if they don't take that, then, like, hit them with the shoe. And I'm like, well, it's not really going well. Like, I'm trying to make friends. They all hate me for my accent. Then she's like, this is who she was. It was a very crazy woman. She's kind of like, I'll turn up to the school and, like, I'll stab the parents. I was like, no, please, please don't do that. This is going to be awful. And like, meanwhile, my brother is very, very autistic, can't speak, and was also an alien in the whole area with me. So we were a target of lots of kind of like bullying and just general shit. So I kind of had to come up with my own coping mechanism. So when I was seven, I wrote a book called Different People. And uh, 
It's called different people. Brown people, black people, white people, people with glasses. Because that's how discrimination works when you are seven. Um, and the contents page is brown people, black people, white people, people with glasses and autistic people. And it says, lots of people who get called names cry. They find it very offensive. I know that if Maya and Amy call people freckle face and gappy teeth, they wouldn't like it, and that's the truth. <laughs> this is a song about everybody different. Everybody's different, you've got to realise. People have glasses, people are brown, people with freckles, people go to town. <laughs> everybody's different, you've got to realise. By their colour, by their skin or by their eyes. There's a picture that goes with this that you can't see. This girl is brown and blind. This is intersectionality for seven-year-olds. She's, she's fucked. She cannot help being blind, so she wears glasses. People call her a four-eyed speck, but she is not a four-eyed speck. She can also not help being brown. Some people respect her colour, some people call her blacky. Some people have got to realise that everybody is different. My brother's autistic, which means he's in his own world. He cannot speak at all. All he can say is, buh. Not everybody understands that he's not normal. He has to be on a strap. People say, take him off that lead. He's not a dog. But they don't know that he's not normal. Some people say he's not autistic, but they don't know, do they? It is true that Asher's not a dog, but they don't have to say it like that. He has anxiety attacks. When he has them, he kicks, spits, smashes up the house, knocks people over and pushes me down the stairs. He also eats a lot. A lot's not the word. Not even millions. The word, the word is thousands, but I still love my brother. That was Maya. Next up, Priel. And the theme is still nostalgia. Um, okay, my story is based on a letter that I wrote for my friend. Um, he's a really special friend, so I'll start. It was December 2012, and we were sitting on a red Ford Fusion in that vast space. There were cacti surrounding us, and we were very much present with each other. Irene took a photo of us from a distance, and now that photo lives on her Facebook, and you can see my small back next to your big back. And I remember feeling so exhilarated as we widened each other's horizons with our chats. You smelled so good. And I remember when you read a quote from Nietzsche to me, and it was, spirituality of the senses is called love. And I looked at you and you sparkled and I thought, oh, my senses are in love. <laughs> we were driving through Mexico. It was a road trip. We were with our friends. And to save money, we shared a bed. I remember one night you turned to me and you said that you were feeling lonely. I turned away swiftly, not wanting to cross that boundary. Our friendship traversed many beautiful landscapes. We had loads of discussions. One day you looked at me in amazement and you said, Priel, I'm so impressed by your natural intelligence and your cross-cultural heritage. And I thought, shut up, white man, stop patronizing me. <laughs> At the same time, I felt really good to feel validated by a white man. <laughs> it was very different from Dean, my primary school crush, who said to me, white people, brown people, they don't mix. We can never be together. 
So our road trip ended and we went back to California where we were studying abroad. Not soon after that, we had really underwhelming sex in my dorm room. (laughs) (laughs) We became lovers and we had lots of interesting experiences, like when we took acid for the first time with our friends and you stared at a sock for three hours and Rational Max hugged a tree and Irene listened to rock music and I grew very anxious that my friends wanted to eat me and I withdrew into my shell. (laughs) Time passed. We remained lovers. There was once a time when you wanted to kiss me while listening to Bollywood music. In hindsight, that made me very uncomfortable, but (laughs) I didn't have the words to challenge your exoticizing gaze back then. (laughs) I grew obsessive, you grew distanced. Soon it was time to leave. I went back to Edinburgh, you went to study abroad in Paris. You told me you didn't want a long-distant relationship, but you still loved me like a sister. (laughs) I felt heartbroken and very stressed that a man who I so enjoyed fucking loved me like a sister. (laughs) But all those seeds that we had planted during our discussions in Mexico and in California, to my surprise, came to life. I made friends who were active and angry and inspiring and I embraced my cross-cultural heritage and started speaking out about issues that affect women like me. We would still email each other and whenever I saw Jose in my inbox, I would feel such joy. I was also sad to acknowledge that our lives were growing apart. I felt angry when I went to India and you called me a a true feminist and also told me you were anxious for my safety. Feel anxious for your new girlfriend, white man, is what I thought. (laughs) Max would give me updates about you. I heard that you had been living like a hermit in rural Spain with just philosophy books and your girlfriend and growing magic mushrooms. He told me that every time he saw you, you were weirder. I didn't think anything of it because I knew that you had the capacity to be very weird. (laughs) Not long after, I found out about your sudden death. You had been found dead in one of your father's empty apartments in rural Spain. You'd been in your black coat, you'd been on the balcony where you were having breakfast. Your sister came to visit me a few months ago and your death is still a mystery. We speculated and we grieved. Was it a drug overdose? Was it a a natural death? Was it a philosophy experiment gone wrong? We didn't know. I still miss our discussions. There's still so much I want to say to you. I wish we'd taped our conversations the way that you said we should. When your sister came to visit me, she hugged me so tight and so for so long that I started to feel uncomfortable, especially when she started to rub my belly in bed. <laughs> I told her that I wished that I had the courage to tell you and I had the words to tell you honestly all the things that I wanted to say when you were alive. From seeing her, I could see that 
We did love each other deeply, although we didn't know how to nurture it. When I told your sister this, she looked at me gently and she said, it doesn't matter anymore. Thanks for listening to Spark True Stories. If you love what we do, please help us spread the word by leaving us a review on iTunes. For more true stories and to see a live event, head to stories.co.uk. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.